My guest today is my esteemed friend and colleague, Buck Wright. Buck was born in New York, raised in Northern California, and has lived uh, down in San Diego, California for the past 15 years, where he works for Dell Technologies and is responsible for their SoCal commercial and public sector data center channel business. Uh, prior to his last six and a half years at Dell EMC, he worked for a green energy fuel cell company, and before that, cut his teeth in sales with the San Diego Padres. Recently purchased a home in Carlsbad, where he lives with his wife, Brittany, two-and-a-half-year-old son, Brayden, and 13-year-old Retriever Ridgeback Mixed Liberty Bell, sensing a, uh, a bee theme there. When he's not working, he enjoys hanging out with his family, surfing, living life to the fullest, and playing just a little bit of ukulele. Happy Friday, and welcome to Fresh Tech Fridays. Today is Friday, June 18th, 2021. I'm pleased to announce I have a very special guest today, my friend and colleague, Buck Wright, who is Dell Technologies Data Center Channel Manager for Southern California. Good afternoon, Buck. How are you doing? Tom, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the cast. How you Love doing? It. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Got uh, big plans for this weekend. Sounds like it's going to be a hot one. It's Father's Day. I hear it's also your anniversary, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, quick shout out to my wife, Brittany. Uh, her and I are going to have been married for uh, for seven years this coming Monday, and we're celebrating it on Saturday. Congratulations. And then rolling right into Father's Day after that. Couldn't yep, be better. one-two punch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so, hey, Data Center Channel Manager at Dell Technologies, tell me a little bit about uh, what that job is, and also if we can back up a little bit. How did you end up uh, doing this job in this geographic market? How'd you, how'd you come to be there? Yeah, great question, Tom, because I, I definitely did not start my career saying, hey, this is exactly what I want to go What I want to do. Right? It, uh, everything happens for a reason and all roads lead to Rome sometimes. So, so yeah, so I was working for EMC and that's where I originally kind of made my breakthrough into the tech industry was a, was a core rep. So I was selling all the storage solutions to pretty much every medium business in, in San Diego. So I was like the San Diego territory manager, all the smaller accounts. And uh, when, when you know, I had a couple uh, mentors in the business, right? And I was working for one, Mike Carroll at the time. And EMC got bought by Dell, right? You know, big, big acquisition. And EMC had always covered the channel differently. EMC in commercial, we did 100% of our business through the channel. There was no other way. That was the go-to-market strategy. Dell was a little different, right? There was depending on the product and the line of business. So, um, and Dell, each company covered partners differently and covered the channel and supported the channel differently. So EMC, you had a, a channel resource that was mapped to the area vice president and managed the area vice president's channel business, regardless of the partner. And then at Dell, you had channel managers assigned to the partner, not to the geographic territory and covered the, the partner nationally, no matter where they transacted with Dell. And so when the two companies came together, the EMC team at the time was saying, hey, you know, we want to keep our channel resources, but we need a little bit more support because we want to make sure the channel is so important to us and we don't want to lose it. We want to make sure that we maintain our relationships. So Mike Carroll at the time was my, my district manager that I was reporting to. And he goes, Buck, you know what? I think you'd be great at this. I'd love to have you run my channel for Southern California. And at the time, it was just the storage business. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? He's like... Buck, you'd be great at it. And I think you'd have a lot of fun. I was like, Mike, if, if, if you think it'll be fun, then I know it's going to be fun. And I, I was like, 
you know, signed up right away. And then a couple different evolutions, but now the job I'm supporting all commercial public sector business in Southern California uh, channel. And then uh, it's not just storage anymore. So it's the entire data center under Dell Technologies. So you have storage, compute, uh, and VMware as well. Got your hands full. And um, how about prior to EMC? Tell us a little bit about what, you know, what did you study and what did you originally do? Like, how'd you end up at EMC Corporation? Yeah, great question. So I was uh, actually, I, I cut my teeth in sales with the San Diego Padres. So I grew up being a, I love baseball. I played baseball in college. Like if, if oh, I could wait, rewrite wait. my history. Right? Hold on. Now, what position did he play? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was an outfielder. I was oh, an outfielder. awesome. Threw right, hit left, and tried right. to be a catcher. I got to the college and they're like, Buck, we love your bat. We cannot stand you behind the plate. You're a casualty. We got to put you in the outfield. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But you a good bat, huh? Who knew, man? That's yeah. cool. Right? Um, so, yeah. So, I was a huge baseball guy. When, uh, um, when I couldn't play in the pros, I ended up figuring out a different way. I was in grad school at San Diego State and they had an internship to go work for the San Diego Padres. And with my background... They said, hey, Buck, you're the right guy to go do this. And I built a marketing project for the San Diego Padres on how to go ahead and get more college attendance to their baseball games. Kind of led into a job and whatnot and uh, making 100 phone calls a day inside sales job. Right. You know, the uh, I'm the guy that called people at dinner time saying, hey, you know, I heard you went to a Padres game. I'd love to have you back down to the ballpark. Right. That was me. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely overcame my fear of talking to strangers on the phone. Through yeah. that process, right? And then uh, through that, so I got to meet a whole bunch of, so it transitioned from calling single game buyers to calling corporations and businesses about mm-hmm. corporate packages. And during that part of my career, I started talking to a lot of different CEOs in San Diego and got to know different companies. And I really identified with a company that was called Clear Edge Power and Clear Edge Power uh, created fuel cells. And fuel cells are an alternative energy generation system that, that, takes natural gas and electrochemically converts it to heat and electricity. And it does it in a very efficient manner. So traditional power that we consume from the house is 30% efficient, right? So based upon the natural resources we use and the, the actual power that we're gaining from it, we're really only getting about 30% efficiency. Well, fuel cells, because the power is created on site where it's being consumed, it's 90% plus efficiency. So I was like, this is, you know, just being a sustainable person. I'm a surfer. Like, I like that whole mindset of like, how do we go ahead and, and live in this planet for a very long time and do so the right way? And so this company was starting up and they said, you know, Buck, like we got to know you through the Padres sales, but we, you'd be great at, at running some of our strategic accounts on the West. And I think there was only about eight salespeople in the company when I, when I jumped on board and I, I did that. I loved it. I had a great time. Unfortunately, it was, uh, you know, the company didn't take off to the degree that we wanted to. We went through a little bit of a, a bankruptcy and I was talking to some mentors and some people that I trust. And they're like, Buck, if you love the idea of making a difference in the world and and and, and progress and, and help in human progress, like there's no better industry than the tech industry and and what tech's doing. Right. The the way that it's changing people's lives. you got to look into that. And, uh, uh, you know, I talked to a bunch of different companies at the time, VMware, uh, VCE, um, probably about seven different tech companies and ended up talking to some people at EMC and was like, you know what, this is the spot that I want to um, 
I want to go into. So they put me through the ringer. It was probably about six months, seven months interview process. But, you know, to yeah. this day, I'm very thankful that some people uh, took a took a chance on me. Yeah. Oh, that's that's super cool. And so now you fast forward to today. Now you're covering, I can't even imagine how many millions of dollars in businesses flowing through the channel in the, in the area that you, uh, yeah. that you're covering. What do you like best about what you're doing now? Like, I mean, you sound to me like somebody that's got to be inspired by the work that you're doing. Um, tell me, you know, what's inspiring about what you're doing now? What do you like best? What I like best is, is absolutely working with the people like the Southern California, IT market is different than any other IT market across America. There is such a, uh, there's so much innovation in Southern California and there's so much entrepreneurship, right? So, so people such as yourself like that are able to go ahead and start up. So I work with, a, you know, the resellers here and, and the, the people that I get to meet and the, the ideas that they have and the problems that they solve and the relationships that they develop with customers has just been, it's been it's been the best, right? Like I just love kind of meeting people that I admire and are doing it the right way. And, and a lot of people, it's not just in Southern California, the people that I work with, it's not just about, yes, they're going to have great careers and they're starting companies because they believe that they can do it the right way and change the game. But at the same time, they're doing it because, you know, they want to, they want to do it their way where they're also spending time with their family and they have, they, they care about, you know, that work-life balance. And I just meet some great people and, I feel like I'm making a positive impact and helping them, you know, s sell more Dell technologies, do it in a way that's allowing them to invest back in their businesses, continuing to evolve their businesses where they end up supporting our customers in a, in a better fashion and, and evolve and ultimately deliver a great outcome to end users and people that work with their customers. So I, I absolutely do love it. I absolutely do. Yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, it's obviously a exciting time to be in tech. Because, I mean, we're one of the industries that's not getting hit as hard as some others. So obviously, you and I could own a restaurant together right now, and this would be, it would be really tough. Um, although restaurants are back. I don't, have you eaten at a restaurant yet? <laughs> I have. I have, yeah. Um, Love it. Outdoors. Love it. A lot of outdoor yeah. restaurants. But, yeah, actually had my first, like, official business meeting at a restaurant on, uh, was it on, on Wednesday. So I think the 15th was Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I already had a, a lunch meeting which was, it felt great. It really did. I love it. Yeah. Did you, uh, was the restaurant important to you or was it really just the meeting and the restaurant was convenient? <laughs> Cause I know for me, I had, I had a few meetings. Some of them were about, it was like hard. I was almost competing. Like, am I more excited about eating at this restaurant that I haven't been able to eat at or more excited about meeting another human being, you know, um, uh, you, you read my mind. So, so we picked, yeah. I, we picked Swami's restaurant. Okay. And Swami's is a it's a it's a great surf spot in San Diego, and they have a restaurant adjacent to it. It's one of my favorite restaurants, breakfast spots. They also do lunch, and yeah, the restaurant was up there. The meeting was good. The restaurant yeah. was good. You know, it was, it was a win win all around. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like accidentally, but uh, my daughter was graduating from college, and I ended up being in New York on the day that they opened, which was I don't know, it was a little while ago. It was like at the end of May, and then of course. I was here on the 15th when we reopened here. So it was like the only thing more awesome than experiencing a reopening is getting to experience it twice. Right. So. <laughs> awesome. So yeah. And I heard you mention that having a daughter. So happy father's day. Upcoming oh, thank happy you. Father's day to you too. 
Yeah. Thanks, man. So far, so good. She's in one piece. She finished undergrad. So uh, I think she's employed. So, you know. Um, awesome. Happy is she going to stay in New York or is she, uh, she making her way back to the West Coast? Yeah. No, thanks to, uh, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, Manhattan apartments are at half price. So she still has the smallest apartment I've ever seen. It's with two of her friends, but she's like living in Soho working an entry level job. So she's over the moon. I think she, she wants to stay for like two more years and then she'll figure out what she's, what she's going to do next. Uh, I've heard it's the best city in the world. So I love it there. Aren't you, are you, I was reading your bio. Are you from New York state at least or? Yeah, I I was born, uh, I was born, I was born in New York. So I never lived in the city. I moved out when I was five. Uh, We, I was born in Mount Kisco hospital in New York. So the first, uh, speaking of baseball to circle back on that, I was, uh, I was the very first baseball game. My parents said I ever went to was a New York Mets game. Oh, not a New York Mets fan. Um, I'm a Padres fan now, but the very first game I ever went to was a New York Mets game. So I always have a, a soft spot in my heart for, for New York, New York in general and New York baseball. Well, and uh, being, um, being a Mets fan is that's, that's a tough, that's a tough road. I grew up an Oakland A's fan and they were good when I was a little kid. So I got super, super inspired. And then I moved to SoCal where the A's are not popular, obviously. And uh, continuing to be an A's fan was a lot of work. You know what I mean? Because like none of my friends like them. And if I wanted to see them, I had to drive to Orange County and they were just so bad. And uh, finally, when they threatened to move to Fremont, for anybody that knows Bay Area geography, this is like this would be like the Dodgers threatening to move to Palmdale. It was just unacceptable. And uh, I bought season tickets to the Dodgers, who then were also terrible. And now, of course, they're world champions. Congratulations, Dodgers. Yeah. But your yeah. team, the so, Padres. I, though, I know exactly what you're talking about with the A's. Though. So I grew up, A's are my favorite baseball team. Oh, I didn't know I that. I grew okay. up growing up in the Bay Area. From So when I left New York, my parents moved to Northern California with a, you know me and my brother. And yeah, I became a huge A's fan because the A's had dollar hot dogs on Wednesday nights. Yep. And, and I, was, uh, I was a fan right around the times that like Mulder, Zito, and Hudson yeah. We're, uh, we're pitching for the A's and the A's mm-hmm. had a promo with Pepsi that yep. if that if if the A's struck struck out seven opposing batters in a game, you got a free Pepsi two liter. Right. And like if if one of those guys was pitching, you were pretty much guaranteed. So yeah. not only did you get dollar hot dogs, you got free two liters. You could get a stack of them. We'd come back right. home. I remember taking my brothers when I first got a car and we'd come back home and we'd have 15 two liter soda bottles we're putting in the pantry. My yeah. mom's like, what are you guys doing? I was we're like, yeah. mom, they're free. Yeah. Yeah, that was – I can't remember. There was a promotion. So I'm a little younger than you. So when and when I was going, I was young. My my So my father's from Berkeley. His father's from Berkeley. My uncle went to Berkeley. There's a lot of Berkeley. So even though I lived in Palo Alto, there's a lot of Berkeley in my family history. Yeah. So that was – there was no Giants. That was the team, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So my uncle and my father both used to take me, but it was back then there was some kind of a promotion where if you had an empty Coke can, you could sit in the bleachers for, I mean, I wasn't paying for the tickets. I was a kid, but it was like single figures, right? Like five, six, seven, eight bucks or something. Um, And so that's how, and I just remember this was during like the Ricky Henderson era. So we could barely see the game, but whenever Ricky Henderson was on one of the bases, it was like so exciting, you know? And then- Uh. I took my daughter during the whole like 
Harden, Heron, Zito, Mulder, you know, Chavez, that whole squad that was really, really good. And a bunch of them ended up, I guess, in, you know, Bunny Ball, et cetera, et cetera. But then, uh, yeah, bought Dodger season tickets. They had, I think, one of their worst runs ever. And then now finally they're – but to circling back on the Padres, seems like uh, they've got a chance to be world champs pretty soon. They look amazing. Amazing. I'm loving it. And the best part about – I still have a a ton of friends that work in the organization – Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy for them. I'm seeing, you know, the team progress. And I mean, so when you work in the in the front office, even if you're, you know, sales, if you're VP of sales for the Padres or even an inside sales rep, like mm-hmm. I was, you get a ring when they win. No way. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there you've is got a, some friends that are hoping, hoping for a ring, huh? Yeah. There's skin in the game. Everybody's excited. <laughs> like you're watching the games, you're watching the television. When the team starts doing well, not only is it easier to sell tickets, but I mean, walking around with a ring, there's nothing better. So, yeah, yeah. The, I'm, I'm excited for, for my friends, you know, still doing that. Yeah. Get back to the work thing a little bit. So it sounds like you love what you're doing. I love that you had kind of an unusual path to get there. I could totally identify with that. Same. I accidentally ended up doing this, and I'm so glad that I did because I never would have thought of it, and I couldn't have thought of anything that would be better than what I'm doing now, if that makes sense. Like. I accidentally ended up doing something that was more awesome than anything I could have dreamed up. Tom, um, my dad is a saying for this. Good things happen to good people. Yeah. Sometimes it's out of your control, but <laughs> but if you just do things right, you treat people right, good things happen, you find yourself in good situations. So Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, chalk, I'll chalk your your path up to that as well. So tell me, um, obviously there was a, you know an enormous acquisition to your point. Dell takes over, your role evolves, you're getting your sea legs. Things are going pretty well. And then the whole world shuts down. And the company you work for in particular was like, hey, no travel, no in-person meetings, Um, which I know for you, connecting with people is a very important part of your job. Tell me a little bit about how did that, you know, affect you personally? Like, what was that like? And how did it affect the way in which you, you know, do your job? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. So from a, a personal standpoint, wow. Like I was doing probably about, 50, 60, 70 nights a year in a hotel, even though just covering Southern California. I'm out of San Diego. I was at the time living in a, in a Southern part of San Diego where, you know, going up to LA or Orange County, I just kill myself on the road. So I was, I was doing, you know, trips up the coast, first half of the week, down the coast, second half of the week. Mm-hmm. And so I was staying in a lot of hotels and then <coughs> COVID hits and I'm, I'm not. And it was great. I, I had a one-year-old son at the time. So getting to be around the house, you know, even if it's just seeing them popping my head in at lunch or whatnot and uh, and what have you, I thought that was great. But wow, like from a uh, from a work standpoint, I think it was it was extremely tough at first. It really was because the good news is I had been doing my job and I'd been in markets. So I'd built some built relationships. Right. Because I think the hardest thing about what happened when we all went virtual is, yes, like we have the tools to continue to maintain relationships. But it is really hard to go ahead and create a new relationship without being able to really sit down with somebody. I agree. And, and so, yeah, that part of the job was was tough, right? Um, but from a business standpoint and the market, like you know, I, I'm big, obviously, proponent of the channel, and I don't. I think the channel became ex- even more important through COVID, and the reason for that is is because COVID accelerated what was happening and what we were seeing in the IT industry where there was a, there's been a, a shift, you know, and it's been going on for a while, but it keeps, it keeps evolving. And that shift is from looking at buying individual products to buying and, and really sourcing business outcomes. 
Mm-hmm. And COVID just accelerated the need to be agile and to focus on business outcomes. And Dell Technologies, we make great infrastructure. Our infrastructure is more automated and simple to use and, and more efficient than, you know, in my opinion and a lot of people's opinions than any other manufacturer out there. But what 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 does not happen is you do not buy a Dell Technologies solution, drop it in a customer data center, and it, it changed their their entire life. Sure, that happens. It's really about taking that that infrastructure solution and automating the all the way from the infrastructure up through the application, up through the end user experience, and that's what that's what partners like DZ Solutions do. And so the the value of the channel and, the, and channel partners to our business became accelerated, and that was that was a great thing for 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 my role and for for us and for the company and just for you know what I believe and what I'm passionate about you know on a day to day basis. So there was. There's definitely some good, you know, there's some things that, you know, I wish didn't happen, but at the same time, like, I think all in all, it was a, it was a real blessing and I'm, you know, couldn't be happier that now we're kind of getting out of it and we've get to continue on with the good. Yes. And drop out the bad. Yeah. I think, um, three months would have been a lot better than a year and a half, but it's, (laughs) you know, it's always good to sort of stress test the the status quo, you know, all, all kidding aside. And obviously what happened is very serious, but you know, I mean, for us as a, as an organization, I think the fact that, I, so those of people listening that know me know that I mean, every meeting is in person. Every staff member should be in the office as much as possible. I mean, I was literally all the way on the other side of that. So this gave some interesting perspective about how important is that. And I think it'll all shake out right in the end. But I think the truth is not as important as I thought it was, but more important than others think. Because I still, I agree with you. I think the, I was actually talking to another guy, Gordon, on a previous episode of the podcast. And he was like, hey, we don't have any trouble getting our work done, right? They're not really a sales organization. They're like big movie companies. So he's like, we're able to keep making the stuff. And we're able to get our work done. He goes, the hardest thing for me is six, 12, 18 months from now, when I hire new employees, it's going to take me a lot longer to indoctrinate them into the culture. Because I mean, if you think about like the way that, you know, the way we studied foreign language, right? You got like the immersion method, which is like you just stick somebody in a room where no one else speaks the same language, you know, or the sort of slow learned method. So um, I think... I think from a corporate culture standpoint, it's important. Tom, I have a great example. Just last night, I was with my my stepsister, and she she's just out of college, right? And first job out of college, and she's struggling, and she's struggling. I I go over go over her house, and she's she's living there, and it's basically that's her that's her office, that's her Mm -hmm. house. She hasn't met anybody in person from her company, right? Yeah. And you know, she's trying to understand, like, hey, are are the pressures that they're the company's putting on us. Are they normal? Or are they not normal? All right. things that like at the Padres, like they're, you know, cracking the whip. You got to make a hundred phone calls a day, but we could talk about it over beers with the coworkers afterwards. Right. And kind of right. like, you know, share best practices and whatnot. And that's, you know, coming into a culture, like coming into a company when you're not in the culture and physically is tough. Yep. And so that is, that is something that one part that I'm really glad for, for all the young people out there, especially, or people that are starting new jobs that we're yep. through because I think it's it's we're in such a better environment now to go ahead and onboard into a yeah. company and be successful. 
Yeah. And so culture, and then, to, you know, to kind of like, like expand on that, the, you know, we have a lot of engineers that work at DZ Solutions. It's a super important part of our differentiator. Like it's an important part of why people hire us versus our competition or versus buying products direct, right? Because we know a lot about stuff. And for me, the knowledge transfer is again, always been done by the immersion method. What's the greatest way to take, you know, a first or second year engineer and accelerate his progress to the knowledge of a five-year engineer? put them in the trenches with a 10-year engineer, right? Because that person with 10 years of experience, A, is going to be happy to share it, but B, is going to have limited patience, right? You got to bring yourself up to speed. But trying to accomplish that remotely when there isn't that this sort of intimate connection of being in the same room with somebody, it's tough, you know? It's, it's not impossible, but I think it's tough. Yeah, well said. All right, so what do you think, you know, moving forward as we all, so I don't know, there's... Uh, like if you use the investment banks as an example, one of them basically said everybody's back full time, right? Another investment bank, I don't think they said nobody has to come in, but they're a lot closer to all remote. So long term, what do you think, you know, corporate culture looks like two or three years from now? How does it all shake out? So I guess the world that I live in, what, what Dell did is that they, they pulled everybody in our company. So 100,000 plus employees, right? Asked them. You know, what would you like the world to be like coming out of this? Oh, okay. And cool. the response back was that that overwhelmingly people would prefer to work two days, about two days, give or take, right, in the office a week, and then the the rest remote. So it's just like we're seeing a hybrid cloud world. I mm-hmm. think it's gonna be a hybrid working world. The the interesting thing that I'm trying to figure out is those two days that you're working in the office, like is that the same two days that everybody else is working in the office? Because that's where you got the office culture from, right? That's where you right. got that. You know, it's not working in the a physical office that's making you better. It's yeah. to your point. It's the immersion portion it's of being it. Being there with your colleagues, yeah. Being there with your colleagues. So, so what's interesting about that that I'm looking to you know see through my crystal balls, but been a little hazy on this is <laughs> is what do you do with corporate real estate at that time then? Because yeah. if you're if everybody's still coming in the office on the same two days, then you still have to have the same amount of office space. Yep. So, so, you know, that's, you know, a lot of the analysts said people are going to have less office space, but if, you know, I'm just looking to see how that, that portion of it plays out. Yeah. Well, I don't know how Dell does it. I've been to a lot of EMC offices. I mean, all over the country, right. And um, not all over the world, but all over the country for sure. And I've been in everything from that, you know, Epic office they have at Penn Plaza. You know what I mean? To, yep. um, you know, some of the various iterations of the Orange County offices, Arizona, et cetera, El Segundo, you know, where, you know, there's such a big company and you would get there and you're like, that, that's it. This is the office. Like what happened, you know? Um, but they used it like an oversubscription model. So I wonder if you just get more, not, I mean, cause think about, you've been to that Penn Plaza office, the EMC office back in the yep. day, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. you get up there, it's the biggest office I've ever seen in my life. And there's never anywhere to sit. Right. So, I mean, I think part of it is if you think about the web hosting model, you just, you just adjust because if they had enough space for a hundred percent of the Eastern seaboard team in that Manhattan office, they'd have to have that whole building. Right. So I think they just do a good job of like, you want to make sure you have just a little bit less than the demand. Yeah. So, so I have, I have another theory though. That so Dell had no offices in Southern California. EMC had had four or five yeah. when the acquisition happened, right? And uh, through the COVID, we've lost a couple offices, but we still do have some offices. 
But what I've realized is that having offices sometimes does hinder our ability or to go out and, and interact with the channel sometimes. Right. So it wouldn't be a bad thing from my point of view that if we if we did have less offices, you know, we could have Tammy Planbeck's Monday morning team meeting at the yeah. DZ office, right? And yeah. what a what a good way to get our teams together talking about things, right? Talking about customers, yeah. how we can help the market, right? If uh, if we're forced to do a little bit more of that because of the lack of offices from Dell, I think yeah. that could be a that could be a good uh, good outcome through all this. Yeah, in the early days of DZ. Um, we had some Bay Area based vendors that they were just like software companies out of the Bay Area. So they had no offices anywhere. Not even, the, I mean, they had some corporate office, but that was great because they would travel in to go meet with clients and they'd have to figure out where to set up. And you know, they've got the like Regis shared space thing. And yeah. I was like, or you could come to our place, and, you know, we order lunch and we have a nice espresso machine and our chairs are more comfortable. And they, <laughs> I mean, they were all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Try to get people to slide through. So, yeah, we downsized our office significantly because I, our, we had a big office space. The lease was up and I was like, okay, until all this, like, I'm not going to sign a five-year extension until I know what the world looks like. So we're actually in a smaller space. We just got uh, some fully vaccinated members of the sales team together, uh, like within the last week. And uh, I was personally, as a business owner, was kind of excited because I was like worried there wasn't going to be enough parking, you know, and I'm like, this is yeah. the problem that I want to have. You know? Yeah. So what's your team telling? What's your, your company telling you, Tom? Or how, how many days you think or what's it look like from your perspective? You know, I've got to get better feed. The overwhelming feedback for sure is nobody wants to go back to working in an office five days a week. Now, if I can just like put an asterisk next to that, you know, we are, I hire and, and, and train and try to retain the very best people I can. And the job market, as you know, has been on fire for the last 15 years. So as myself and my staff have started, you know, we're having kids and we need more real estate, et cetera. Everybody living within a couple miles of the office is just not realistic based on, you know, you know, these people have lives, they have families, right? And they need to make sure they're close to their spouse's job or they want to have this. So we've become more spread out. So a lot of that is just, it's literally just the windshield time. It's not that they don't like the office culture. It's that, you know, if you spend an hour and a half every day driving to and from work for a total of whatever that is, you know, seven and a half hours a week, and you multiply that by 52 and 350 hours a year, behind the dashboard of your car and the reason is my job <laughs> makes you a little unhappy you know about that whole thing so i think a lot of it isn't that people don't love being in the office because our workplace culture is so cool but just the commute is brutal so trying to figure that out um i'd like to have a space big enough that everyone could be there at the same time uh right now in order to do that we'd have to go on the roof which i did make <laughs> into a deck so it's it's like oh. totally, totally possible right yeah, like there's not much range, so most days it would be possible. But even um, if it's not everyone having their own desk, I don't think everyone needs their own cubicle or own desk. Because yeah, even if it's just sitting around a conference room, right? Yep. Like Agreed. the whole reason you're there is, but to your, I mean, you've said it beautifully, right? The immersion, and so yeah. forcing everyone, like even before COVID, right? The the idea of I think Google started that trend, right? Where like you're sitting in hotel desking it. EMC yep. was about hotel desk. You could I could not put like pictures up in the EMC office. They wanted it at a hotel desk so yep. that you got to get to know everybody. You didn't come there, sit the same spot every day, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had a combination of uh, window offices and flexible workspace. And then other than accounting, because it's kind of mean to move accounting. You gotta, yeah, yeah. They just got, they got to have their stuff. You got to let, you know, don't move accounting unless you want problems. I mean, that's my experience <laughs> anyway, right? You want the checks to go out on time. You know, you don't want them bothering you. You let, But other than that, no workspace was truly belonged to somebody. And by that, I mean, maybe we had some managers in the Windows office, but we we shuffle that up every once in a while. And like when the, you know, the accounting firm that comes by and audits our financials every year, like I would give them my office and and which would force me to sit out in this flexible workspace with the engineering staff, you know? Just like, yeah, I don't know if they would have loved that all the time, but it was a fun experience, and I got to see what those folks were working on, and and vice versa, you know. Yeah, I'm sure uh, they loved it, absolutely. Uh, but to answer your question, all I know for sure is that people don't want to be back in the office full time, and I've kind of acknowledged that, and so I've promised everybody that I'm going to get more feedback from them before even designing the new flexible work policy. The policy right now is you don't ever have to come in unless a customer requires you to do so, because of course yeah. our real our real management team is our customers, right? We have to do it. Well they, said. Um, well said. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. I envision two to three days, and it sounds like that's what uh, Dell's feedback was. A hundred thousand is a great sample size, you know. Um, yeah, but not not a hundred percent sure yet. I live, you know, of course, I live right up the street from the office. So one of the things I was thinking was, hey, not to get too wrapped around the policy in the context of if it is two or three three days a week, but not everyone is going on the same two or three days. I can still go five days and it's no big deal for me because I just jump in the car and it's five minutes away, you know? So yeah, I'll get to see everybody anyway. All right. So long-term you think a couple days per week, has Dell given you any hint about when they want that office return to start? Obviously with the reopening, now you can at least go out in the field, but what about the office culture? So no, it, to your point, it's been all about customers, right? Like the customers are our real, real, you know, metrics, right? So the whole reason that we've been wanting to get out and see people and do things is is really to be in front of customers. And so the whole conversation within Dell right now has been, hey, now we're able to go see customers. So we haven't actually talked a lot about like, hey, what does the internal meeting structure look like? Yeah. Uh, that's probably the next uh, the next stage, but that's a good, I actually <laughs> hadn't even thought much about that. I was more, yeah. yeah, I was on the customer side, you know, the partner side, like, um, but yeah, well, well, I guess not sure what the future holds there. I would say like at the very least, you know, probably business reviews. I think that yeah. you got to have business reviews in person, in, in my opinion. That's a great time to get together, you know, look back, either, either celebrate, you know, what you did, look at what you can improve and then really come together. Some of the best, the best times I've ever had, some of the best days of learning and growing, you know, personally and professionally have been during those business reviews. So um, at the very least, business reviews. So once a quarter, doing something like that. But I, I'd prefer to see something where it's you know you know you have a the weekly team meeting instead of doing it over yeah. Zoom. Have that weekly team meeting in person. That's where that's that is where we plan to start. Is that you know I mean we're not a huge company, but that there's a department meeting once per week that's in person, right? Yeah. Um, Just to make sure everyone you're you know you're you're paying their salary for is still alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that my opinion is. If it's just back and forth, email is fine. But when you've got to talk through something that's uncomfortable or where people are activated or opinionated or, you know, people aren't on the same page, I find the best way to keep everyone honest, including myself, is to try to hash it out in person. 
because if you're in person, you got to bring a hundred percent of your focus, you know, and yeah. you're less like, you're less likely to, I mean, this is something I've definitely learned a lot about personally over the last 20 years, but you know, just don't send that email. Just wait till you <laughs> see the person, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I've never, I've definitely never said, man, I'm glad I hit send on that email before I really thought about what I was doing. You know, only the, only the opposite. Right. So, yeah. I have some of those emails saved in my draft box, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. You leave them there for a while, eventually you delete them. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to go down. If I still feel like sending it tomorrow, it's already written. Yeah. yeah. I can I can send it then, you know, and then That's to right. your point, like, you know, you cool off. It's a little bit different. You have a different opinion. And, and to your point, I think, you know, picking up the phone's the second best thing. But yes. so much so much communication is is nonverbal as well. And so the, the, the being in person, you can't replace that. And to your point, like things really get done. You know, some of the best leaders that I've learned from have been very big on this. And it sounds like this is important to you too, is that, you know, you really grow, you really evolve when you're having the, the tough conversations yep, and of course. those tough conversations are, are way better to have in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like exercise, right? If it doesn't hurt a little bit, then you're probably not getting any stronger. So. Yeah, you're just doing the same thing you've always done, right? You're yeah. used to that. Like you yeah. gotta, you gotta change. The right? Change a is bit. a little uncomfortable. Yeah. All right. So last but not least, other than the work that we do together, what technology trend are you most excited about? Cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence. Are you a self-driving car guy? What are you most excited about? That's kind of bleeding edge or coming out soon. Hmm. So I like I like driving. So I would not say. You know, there's something therapeutic about driving mm-hmm. and being in control. I, I, I just a, a little fun fact. I got my driver's license on the day of my 16th birthday. That's my parents asked me, what do you want to do on your 16th birthday? I was like, I want to go to the DMV take and my take the test. driver's test. Right. That was that was how much I wanted to drive. So I, I love the the act of driving. So it wouldn't be self-driving cars. Um, you know, I I like learning a lot about. Like, I guess if the question's in the frame of, uh, you know, just a, not from a human progress standpoint, but just for fun, right? Uh-huh. What, what is, uh, what do I find intriguing? I like the, the idea of AI or high performance compute um, type technologies that can really help us understand where we came from as, as a human race, mm-hmm. right? And kind of like, just, just learn more about us, right? Where, where, you know, what was it like? 200 years ago? What was it like 300 years ago? What was it like 2000 years ago? And then what, you know, what do our models say it's going to be like in 2000 years? Or, you know, I I just think that's such a, such a cool topic. And I'm so interested in those types of things. And it seems like the more technology we get, the more we're able to find things out that, that we previously weren't. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, if you think about the whole human genome thing. I start, first started hearing about sequencing genomes 20 years ago. And I was like, why does this matter? You know, and like, what, it, when are we going to be able to actually apply this? And 20 years later, it was the, I mean, it was the cornerstone of two of the four coronavirus vaccines, right? Super, super, super important stuff. But exactly. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can learn about more fun topics than how to cure disease, but it is an important, important topic for sure. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's in everything and everything we do. So like the more we understand ourselves, the better, you know, we can continue to progress. And I know Agreed. Michael Dell's a you know, big fan of driving human progress through technology. Mm-hmm. And if, if we don't have the right information about, you know, who we are, then, you know, it's hard to drive human progress in the right direction. 
Yeah. And so, you know, the whole idea is like, let's leverage technology to drive it in the right direction. And I yeah. think the more we know about ourselves, the more we're going to be able to do that. Yeah. What is the expression? Like, if you don't know where you're coming from, there's no way you're going to be able to figure out where you're going. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And then what's the, what's the plan this weekend? You've got an anniversary. You've obviously uh, got some Father's Day stuff laid out for yeah. us. What are you doing? Yeah. So, uh, so this is, this is like, uh, this is like the Super Bowl around my house, right? You got anniversary <laughs> and Father's Day in the, in the same weekend. And so anniversary day is going to be on Saturday. It's actually on Monday. So we're getting a kind of a, a dual celebration. So on Saturday, we're going to do a brunch and, and really just, you know, make sure that the main thing is we were going to do a staycation, but the price of hotels went way up. So yeah. we've committed to each other that no one's doing any chores this weekend. Okay. None whatsoever. It's not an option. So we're going to do a, we're going to do brunch. We're going to go out, probably walk around Carlsbad village on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we're doing a beach day for father's day. So father's day was my, my choice. Right. And grabbing a couple of buddies who also are our recent dads. And we're going to go down to uh, seaside beach, which is uh, one of Rob Machado's for the surfing fans out there. One of Rob Machado's surf breaks. It's got a great surf break right on the beach. And the best part about it for dads out there that are used to going to the beach that you can drive the parking lot and the beach are like complementary to each other. And so you don't have to go down any stairs. So when you're lugging coolers or you're lugging canopies or barbecues from the car to the beach, it's a very simple process. So, so I was like, babe, this is the beach that I want to go to. And uh, we were actually, we were originally going to order pizza. And uh, one of my buddies that, that just said, Hey Buck, I want to go. It's like, I'm bringing a barbecue and, and to make it even better than my dad just sent me for my father's day, sent me a bunch of Omaha burgers and Omaha steaks. So, so I'll be bringing the meat to cook. He'll be cooking and we'll have a good old time. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. What about so so Tom? What about you? Any any fun plans for the weekend? What am I doing this weekend? Not much. My uh, spouse is going to be gone next weekend, so we're going to try to get a few things done in the interim. Uh, the weather is going to be super warm, and um, probably I've got a young golden retriever that needs a lot of exercise. So I think uh, I think a long walk this weekend is in our is in our future. So last yeah. weekend I did a big like barbecue cook, and we had some people over. So. Um, this, we're we're going to keep it, keep it small this weekend, you know? Yeah. So, so if you have a young golden retriever, you're probably a big, uh, you probably are pretty active. I, I figured that out. Yeah. Dog people. Yeah. Once I got my dog, the difference in lifestyle before and after was night and day. Yeah. Cause the minimum you're putting in five miles a day spread out over three or four walks, especially <laughs> when you're working from home. And then if she really has a lot of energy, the only way to get her to like calm down is to go out and run a few miles with her. Yeah. You know, she's you not get to know all your neighbors. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I became super social in my neighborhood once yeah. I got my dog Liberty Bell. Like, I got to know everybody. They knew me. It was like, you know, and even if I didn't always remember their names, they remembered my dog's name, and I Every remember time. their dog's name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I knew well, like two of the people on this block, and I now know like six, uh, partly for that reason. And then uh, there you go, there you go. Yeah. Awesome, it's especially if you got a friendly dog. You know, everybody wants to stop, and <laughs> stop and check in. Yeah, so. retrievers are, are are among the friendliest, right? Yeah, so I'm sure. So yeah, yeah no she loves there. everybody, man. She's a lover, not a fighter. Awesome. The only time she barks is that someone's at the door, and I think it's just because she wants them to come in, so you know she can hang <laughs> out. So that's awesome. Well, Buck, listen, I really appreciate you giving me some of your time on a Friday to do this. Thank you very much. Happy anniversary, seven years, right, to you? Yep, seven uh, years, yep. 
happy Father's Day in advance. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Let me know how those uh, how the burgers your dad sent you end up on that grill, man. That sounds great. Sounds good. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you know the partnership with DZ Solutions, everything you guys do, all the investments you make back in and being able to support our joint customers in the best way possible. So thank you guys. And, uh, and yeah, happy Father's Day as well. Yeah, you too, Buck. All right, everybody. This is Tom Gilson, your old friend, signing off. Everybody have a great weekend. See you, Buck. Bye. Thanks again for joining this week's episode of Fresh Tech Fridays. I'm your host, Tom Gilson. I want to thank Jason Johnson for composing our theme music. RSPE, and especially Russ for help with some engineering and equipment. Dell Technologies for helping sponsor some episodes of the podcast. Kayla Robeson, DZ Solutions Marketing Director for helping make this all possible. And last but not least, our fearless audio engineer, Jeff Rockland, engineering from afar. If you want to learn more about Jeff and his projects, I encourage you to check out his Relief Valve podcast that you can find wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, and see you next time.